I'm really excited as we are kicking off a brand new series entitled Sold Out. And this is really a bedrock principle in the life of our church because this series is going to be uh, going on for the most part all month. And it's a series that is really focused on discipleship and growth. So we're going to be talking about some great fundamental principles that would help us to understand what it really, really means to be a Christian. What does it really mean, or what does it look like when somebody is really sold out for Jesus? Now, we all know someone who has been sold out to something. As we just watched a video a little, just a little while ago, one thing that was perfectly clear that I think nobody could doubt was that the individual that we saw on that screen, he was sold out. And it's something that is very contagious about a Christian that is sold out. A Christian that understands their calling, that understands why they exist here on the planet. When we talk about this thing of being sold out, it is something that is critical to our being able to communicate our faith in such a way that we persuade men and women to come to Christ. One of the things that we know is a number of things we, we realize when somebody is really sold out about something. Because when they're sold out, that's all they talk about. <laughs> they're, they are very, very passionate about it. They will greatly invest their money and their time. They will try and persuade others to join the idea, the belief, or the new adventure. In other words, when somebody is sold out to something, they stand out. There's something about a person who is sold out for Jesus that will cause people to stop, watch, look, and listen. Now, I want to make a statement that may seem somewhat foreign to you, but I'm going to make this statement because I have a deep conviction. And I hope that you feel the same way, or at least at the conclusion of this message, your mindset will begin to change. Every Christian is called to be sold out to Jesus. Let me say that again. Every Christian is called to be sold out to Jesus. Every Christian is called to be sold out to Jesus. Not every Christian is called to pastor a church. I get it. Not every Christian is called to make a living in ministry, but every Christian is called to be sold out to Jesus. In fact, if you, if you look at the New Testament, after Jesus ascended into heaven, what you see was you saw people that were fully devoted. In other words, they, 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 in order for them to do what they needed to do in making sure that the gospel message was effective, they couldn't have one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. How many know they had to be all in? Everybody say all in. See, in, in the New Testament, they were all in. This, this concept today, and, and, and let me say this, we have developed a culture today that really embraces the idea 
that, that, that you can be a Christian and, and, and really not be sold out. See, in other words, we have defined Christianity in our culture today in part as having to, not having to, to truly or fully commit. But how many you know that the foundation of our Christianity, when you look at it from the core, it is about giving up everything. Everybody say everything. It's about giving up everything, giving up the entirety of our whole lot. And so we have developed and promoted and tolerated a society that has diminished what true Christianity is. This is why I believe that the church has become anemic and pushes membership rather than discipleship. In other words, very comfortable as long as they're here rather than making disciples, which is what Jesus called us to do. So a true Christian embraces this idea of selling out. I can remember when I first gave my life to Jesus, there was a lot of things I did not know. I had to learn scripture. I had to go through a process. But I can tell you one thing that I knew is that when I came into the kingdom of God, you know, I gave him everything. And let me tell you something. When you give Christ everything, in fact, I will go, I will, I will go so far as to say this. If, 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 if we have sort of a, a lukewarm, a lukewarm Christian, uh, they, they, they say nowadays, uh, Jesus had said only one thing about being lukewarm. You know what Jesus said about being lukewarm? He says, I'll spit you out. He talking to a church in the book of Revelation. He says, I wish that you were either hot or cold, one or the other. And so what I want you to understand is that the true Christianity, true Christianity, it, it, it begins with the foundation that my whole entire being belongs to God. Every corridor of my life, every facet of my life, every aspect of my life belong to him. That's where we all must begin. That's where we start. Now, let me talk a little bit, a little bit about what does it mean to be sold out and what sold out isn't, all right? Because when some of us hear the word sold out, some of us get a little bit scared, right? Because, you know, we got this thing. We don't want people to, like, look at us like we weird. Can I just say this? Being, just listen, this is, sold out isn't, it isn't being weird. You can be a Christian and not be weird. You ever met Christians sometimes who are just weird? See, being sold out don't mean that you have to be weird or that you have to lose your common sense, your brain. How do you know God gave you that brain? Selling out does not mean that we are only to have Christian acquaintances. Selling out does not mean that we should only attend, only attend Christian functions because if that were the case, Jesus was the biggest violator of that. How do you know that Jesus attended activities that wasn't Christian? I didn't say he committed sins. I say he attended activity. He, he sit among sinners, right? Publicans, people that were hated, and there were religious people. Everybody say religious. There were religious people who got offended and said, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? So selling out does not mean that we should only attend Christian functions, events, or activities. Selling out does not mean that we hate those who oppose us or see things differently. 
How many know the Bible says we're to love our enemies? The Bible says, in fact, we're to do good to those that do bad to us. Everything about Christianity lifts our moral compass. We're always to treat people with dignity and with respect because they, people, are made in the image of God. And so selling out does not mean that we have to be mean to people or we have to hate those and, and you know, or, 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 or just, you know, say all manner of evil against them and all this kind of, we don't have to do that in order to, to be a sold out believer, but we must be, we must stay true to what we believe. Everybody say what we believe. Now, what does it mean to be sold out to Jesus? It means that we simply, we love Jesus with all our heart, soul, and mind. Isn't that what Jesus says? That you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your body, right? It means that the entirety of our lives is surrendered to the call of Jesus. In other words, our ambition in life, watch this, is to do his will. Our greatest ambition in life as a Christian, sold out. Now, watch. Every Christian is supposed to be this way. That our greatest ambition, watch this, is to fulfill his will on earth. Doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. Because how many know there nobody, there's nobody perfect? Jesus perfected us, but we're always being transformed to become more and more like Jesus through this process we call salvation. What it does mean is that Jesus, then, is the foundation, no pun intended, the foundation for which all of our decisions in life are made. In other words, every decision we make as a believer, is filtered through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Every decision, where you go, where you hang out at, who you hang out with, what you do, are y'all hearing me? Every decision that we make as a Christian should be filtered through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is what it means to be sold out. So now let's make the case for selling out to Jesus. I want to make the case this morning because I understand that we're in a fight, right? We're in a fight. I mean, they're, 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 as I said last week, the whole system of this world is designed to uh, uh, seduce you, to, 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 to follow the, the, the world's way. It is, the, the world is full of seduction. But it's seduction toward evil. It is seduction that is outside of the will of God. Watch. Now, so we want to make the case this morning. So the first point we want to say is, watch this. Sin has a shelf life. Say that with me. Sin has a shelf life. Say it again. Sin has a shelf life. The Bible says this in Hebrews 11.25. It says, talking about Moses and all the other great leaders of faith, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. How many know that the wages of sin is what? Death. All right? Think about it. The wages of sin, not certain sins. <laughs> Y'all with me? Not the sins that we like. Not the little, not just the little itty bitty sins, 
The wages of sin is death. Everything that is sinful is passing away. Will be ultimately dealt with and is being dealt with even now as we speak. Sin is passing away. It's temporary. <laughs> you know, it's amazing, but you look around today, and there seems to be so much sin all over the place. And you make the mistake in, in the thinking that, man, that's really, and particularly for y'all young people. Boy, y'all, y'all think it's really cool, you know, because the devil, how many know the devil is after the youth? And how many know every young person should be in this church right now, should be sitting in this seat? The devil is after young. And you know, the Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing, hearing by the word of God. How many know they need to hear the word of God? Because you never know what God will do. His word is like a hammer. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Because the enemy, the enemy wants to seduce our young people. He wants to let, let, make them think that it's okay to sin. Why? Because everybody else is doing it, right? It can't be all that bad, brother. It can't be all that bad, sister, because everybody does it. Everybody has sex every now and then. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, with, you know, with that Christian stuff, that's old, outdated. That's not, are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? Sins, sin has a shelf life. So we need to be pushing toward righteousness. Number two, the case for making, the selling out to Jesus, is that the past brought disappointment and shame. How many of you would say that? You're a Christian now. That you're looking back in your life, in your past. Boy, it was a lot of shame. <laughs> I don't know about, it was a whole lot of shame in my life. It says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2 to 3, that he no longer, talking about us as Christians, no longer should live the rest of our time in the flesh. Watch this. For the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent Enough. Everybody say enough. <laughs> oh, good God. Everybody say enough. We have spent enough of our past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walk in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revoweries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. And here's what he's really saying there. He's saying that, that we have had enough, watch this, of getting drunk, being lewd, chasing skirts, everything that got legs on it. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Everybody say, we had enough. Getting drunk, sexual immorality, parties that promote sinful behavior. How many know that God saved us out of that? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? He saved us out of it. He cleaned us up. So, so, so you know, I don't need to convince you if you're saved today. I don't need to convince you that your old life was messed up and jacked up and left you empty. Does anybody else out there know what I'm talking about? It left you empty. It promised you roses. It promised you life, but it began to seal your fate until you came to Christ. Romans 6, 20. Verse 21 says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Then watch this. He says, now, now, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed of? For the end of those things are death. We don't need to go back there, right? I mean, 
I mean, here's why we need to we need to sell out to Jesus, because we already know we've already tried it. That stuff out there don't work. It doesn't. That old life, it will never, ever work. It will bring you momentary pleasure. Everybody say momentary. Because sin does feel good, doesn't it? Say amen. Say say you know, say amen. Sin, sin feels good. It, it, I mean, it, 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 it just, it's just something about sin that appeals to our sinful nature. So the writers here are saying, Hey, you know, those things in the, the, the past, man, they brought you disappointment. They brought you pain. In fact, they brought you so much shame. You realize one day I need to give my life to Jesus. I got so much hate. I got so much unforgiveness built up in me. I've been a slave to sin. I can't control this. I can't control that. I need to get to Jesus. And he saved us, right? Why do I want to go back there? The Bible says to Like a dog returning back to his vomit, it's just going to make you sick all over again. Mm -hmm. It says in Mark chapter 8, verse 37, 36 and 37, here's what Jesus said. Jesus says, for what will a profit a man, watch this, if he gains the whole world and lose his own soul? All right? He said, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I'm making a case for selling out to Jesus. Jesus is saying here, saying, what will it profit if you went to college and you got your dream job and you made six figures and you had the house, the beach house, and you had the the uh, 5,000 square foot house and plenty of yard space and you had multiple properties and maybe you got an airplane. Maybe, Maybe you are, maybe you're wealthy and you're doing really, really well Here's what Jesus said. What will a prophet at the end of the day if you gain all of that stuff and still lose your soul? See? What does the devil do? It's about the stuff. To the enemy, it's about the stuff. I like stuff, but make sure the stuff don't, make sure it ain't your master. Make sure stuff is not your master because it's temporary. <laughs> Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I just picked up a newer car and I looked at it the other day. As beautiful as that thing looked, it's temporary. It's going to be ugly one day and it's going to go away. You know why? Because it's not meant to be permanent. Things doesn't satisfy. Ultimately, they does. it doesn't. And you don't need me. You can just look at a lot of folks who got a lot of money and see how miserable you are. You know, most of some of the most miserable people are in Hollywood. They're in Hollywood. They're making movies, and they got all the money you could ever dream of. They got it all, don't they? You watch them on TV, and yeah, you want to dance like them. You want to honor, but but they also, but their their home, their personal life is a wreck. You know why? Because they have brought the lie that somehow stuff will satisfy, and now they are groping in darkness trying to discover light. And we who have the light are withholding the light because we are still trafficking in places that we shouldn't be. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? We're leaving people hanging when we should be saying, let me me help you figure this whole thing out. Apostle Paul, this brings me to my next point of this sermon. The Apostle Paul uh, was, 
had an encounter with Jesus in the book of Acts. Paul was one of those, he was a very zealous person. I would even go so far to say that Paul, Paul probably has sort of a, an addictive personality. Now, why do I say that? Because whenever Paul got into something, Paul went all in. Everybody's all in. You know, there's some folks that can't mess a certain thing, can't do something, because they just go all in. And you know, Paul went all in, but he went all in in the right way. He went all into Jesus. But Paul gives us some insight. Now, watch. Now, I want you to understand something. So I'm, I'm going to read this verse, and we kind of read this earlier as we begin the sermon. But Paul was really kind of explaining a pattern of how we all are supposed to live as Christians. Really. Because, see, what we have done in our society today, we've kind of divorced ourselves. And we've, we kind of fashioned a kind of Christianity that I believe that is not really rooted in the Bible. The Apostle Paul gives us an example, and then you're going to see how Paul encourages us to do it just like he did it. It says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 8, Paul says this, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, look at this, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, I was a Pharisee, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ, for yet indeed I count all things lost mm. for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, watch this, for whom I have suffered the loss of everything. But you know, Paul didn't suffer the loss of everything. He was, he was weeping because he wasn't out there crying like, oh God, I lost my status. Oh God, I, I lost all, you know, God, I come by, you know, I'm, just, I'm just so sad. Oh God, I lost all my money. I, no, Paul says, not only did he, Paul says, I gave it away. And here's what he said. He said, I counted as rubbish. Stink that I might what? Gain Christ. Understand Paul's resume. He was circumcised the eighth day. He was a Jew by birth. He was of the stock of Israel. He was a member of God's earthly family. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. Of Benjamin. He was an aristocratic leader of the distinguished tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was the tribe that gave Israel their first king, if you recall. So Benjamin was a tribe of respect. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. In other words, he belonged to the segment of the nation that held onto its original languages and customs. Paul was a Pharisee, believed to have had, this was the belief, that they, they were the one that had the, 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 the correct uh, orthodox as it relates to doctrine, all right? They had great religious standing. In order to be a Pharisee, there were a whole lot of things you had to go through. You just, you know, they didn't just make Pharisees, but they were looked up to in the community. It, was, it would be equivalent to having a doctorate in a large and distinguished university. Paul had the best of training. Paul was zealous and dedicated, so dedicated that he persecuted the church because he thought it was the right thing to do before he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Paul said himself, Paul said, concerning the law, he says, look, I was blameless. I kept the requirements of the law. This is not to say that Paul was perfect. 
but Paul did everything according to the law. He was a stickler to the rules of Judaism, and he done it better than all of them. Paul said, look, I got all of this status. And here's what he said. Watch this. He said, I gave it up. I gave it all up for Christ. Now, essentially, what Paul was really communicating here was that, that he had come to realize that in his life, y'all still listen and say amen. amen. Paul had come to realize that in his life that there was nothing that could compare to Christ. There were just words for, Christ, for Paul. Because how many know that, that our lifestyle must go beyond words? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? There must be a manifestation of the fact of the reality that Christ is most important in our lives. Y'all know when something is really, really important, right? When something is important to a person, how many know it, it doesn't take long, you will see it. You don't have to be around for five minutes and you can figure out where they come from. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? Paul said, man, I, I, I gave up all of my accolades. He said, I gave up all of my training. He said, I gave it all up in the face of Christ because I realize now that he has become my greatest ambition in life. Nothing will compare to that. That's what I'm pursuing for the rest of my days. It's all about Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, that's sold out. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20, speaking to the Galatian church. And remember, Paul wrote these letters to the churches in the New Testament because he was trying to educate them, teach them how to, become, how to be good Christians. He says, but, he said, watch, for I have been crucified, watch this, with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, watch this, in the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, he said, I was crucified with Christ. He said, the life I, in other words, Paul says, when I came to Christ, I died. I gave it up. Is that too strong a language today? Paul says, I, I, crucified means put to death. Paul said, when I came to Christ, I put my old self to death. I put it to death. It's a dead man. He said, now the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me. That's how I live now. Now watch. Paul takes it a step further. I like, this is, this is the most incredible verse. I just saw it in a whole new light and I was preparing for this message. Paul says this in Galatians 6.14, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. By whom the world has been crucified to me. Watch this. And I to the world. Isn't that amazing? Paul says, now watch. The world has been crucified to me, but he said, but, but, but I to the world as well, as well. In other words, Paul says that I divorce the world. See, some of us we got the papers, but we ain't signed them yet. 
See, we won't, we won't completely divorce. You know, because we like to have, oh, y'all don't, don't want to work with me today. You see, see, you want to have every now and then, you like a little bit of, uh, the little bit of that world, so you won't sign all the, you won't sign the paper and, and, and divorce. You want to kind of hold on, so you got your pen and you got your paper, and all you got to do is divorce the world, but you're still holding on because there's some aspects of the world you still like. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Paul said, no. Paul said, brother, let me tell you something. He said, he said the world is crucified to me, and I'm crucified to the world. In fact, I don't want her no more. I'm done with her. She abused me. She was a slave. She wasn't good for me. I am done with her. How many know, church, we need to say, I'm done with the world. Now, that doesn't mean that you're to be a freak and you can't, because you still live in the world. But you're not of the world. Are y'all hear what I'm saying this morning, church? This world system has, Jesus said, this world system has nothing in me. You're an ambassador to Christ. You represent Christ. This is our calling to represent him. The world system, obviously, don't get it twisted. The world system will contradict Christianity at its core. Don't y'all trip when you see that happening. It's natural. It's supposed to happen. They're supposed to hate you. They're supposed to say they don't want your God in school. They're supposed to say it's part of the end times. I mean, it's, it's, Jesus talked about it. He says, before I come back, this is what's going to happen. They are going to hate you. If you are one of those that got to be loved, find yourself a good Christian, a good somebody, a good church or whatever, and find somebody in there to love that loves Jesus. But how many know we need to die to the world? See, we can't sell out if we are still flirting with the world. Are y'all hearing me? We still have rendezvous with the world. We can't do it. Paul said in, in, in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul says, but, but watch this. He said, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord. Paul says, I don't count my life as dear to myself. Paul, Paul had gotten going so far with this thing. Paul says, man, if I need to, I will die for this thing. If I need, if I got to die for this thing, if, if, if my death will cause others to come to Christ, Paul says, I'm willing to do it. Look at your neighbor and say, that's so who doubt. As he sold out. <clears throat> but no wonder he had the greatest impact, didn't it? Paul had such a huge impact. Now you see why we read many of his letters in the New Testament. Because we understand his mentality. This is how Paul does. Now, so let, now let's, let's, let's make it personal. Are you still with me? Say amen. So let's make it personal. We're coming down. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, <clears throat> verses 1 through 6. Now, this is a great verse where you kind of understand what you were before you became a Christian. The mess that you were in. How many know that we all need to be reminded sometime of the mess that we're in? That we were in. And you need, we need to get out of the mess that we're in now, but we need to be reminded of the mess that we were in so that pride won't seep in. So that we won't begin to think that we're better than other people because, you know, you're a little bit further along. But Ephesians, which is a wonderful book, 
is when it, because it talks about being saved by grace through faith and all that, it says, and you, it says in verse number one, chapter two, Ephesians says, and you he made alive, or I like the King James Version, says use the, the, the terminology is quicken, breathe life into, and you he made alive who were dead in trespassing and sin, in which you once walked, see, look at that, you once walked, everybody say once, see, in other words, he said, you ain't doing that no more, right? Because you sold out. He says, Paul is saying to the Ephesians, and he's speaking through the Ephesians to us. He said, what you once worked, walked according to the course of the world, according, watch this, to the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself. Watch this, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. Y'all understand what we're dealing with today? We're dealing with a spirit that is working in people who don't know Jesus, as a spirit that they are under control and they don't even realize it. They are walking in such darkness. He says, among now whom also we once, con- we once, there you go again, conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, all right? Because the flesh is ugly, it's nasty. Your flesh is always going to want to crave unrighteousness. Our flesh wants to do it but you overcome the flesh by feeding your spirit. Among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. But God, everybody say, but God. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you've been saved, raised us up. There it is raised us up and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So our condition, dead in trespasses and sin, slaves of Satan. Whatever Satan wanted, we just did it. We walk according to our natural desire. Whatever our flesh want to do, everybody say, my flesh is nasty. Come on. It it is. It's sinful. Your flesh is sinful. We were destined for wrath until Jesus came and breathed life into us. He raised us up together in Christ. We were dead and trespassed in sin. We were were on a, a, a fast course, a fast track toward destruction. We were destined for the wrath of God, but Jesus jumped in there and said, hold up. He, he, he pulled us up. He breathed the breath of life in us, and he gave us life and freed us from sin. Jesus did that all by himself. <clears throat> so now then, what do we do with that that Jesus did? Paul talks to the Colossian church. And I like this verse. <clears throat> he says in Colossians chapter 3, So what happened now? Now that you've been raised, you've been set free, you've been made whole, you've been made right, you've been forgiven of all of your sins that you ever committed, all the sins that you will commit. He has perfected you, the Bible of Hebrews says, he has perfected you forever through the blood of Christ. He says, now then, Jesus has done this for you, how then shall we live? Colossians chapter 3. Now Paul is channeling, I believe he's channeling his his inner conviction, speaking to the Colossian church 
right through the Colossian church to where you're sitting right here today. He says, now, watch this. <clears throat> if then you were raised with Christ, if you've been raised with Christ this morning, come on, raise your hand. I want to see your hand. If you've been raised with Christ, all right? So watch this. He's not just writing to, listen, he's not writing this for just a particular segment of Christians. Paul is meaning this for all who read this letter who are Christians. <clears throat> he says, now, if then you were raised with Christ, here's what you ought to do. Seek those things, watch this, which now are above, all right? So now I'm looking up. And where Christ is <clears throat> sitting at the right hand of God, then set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Now, if you read the King James Version, I like the King James Version in this particular passage, because the King James, King James Version says, set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. So he's saying, since we were raised like Christ, we were raised like Christ, just like the Apostle Paul. We have been given new life, just like the Apostle Paul. So now Paul is saying, because Paul experienced it, and now Paul is saying, okay, Christian, here's the way you ought to live too. He says, now since you've been raised with Christ, set your affection, let let your relationship be, uh, with Christ be the pinnacle of your life. Let heaven be the thing that you wake up and you think about. Live your life according to the kingdom of God. In other words, be immersed in things of the spirit. Think about heaven. Fall in love with heaven. Set your affection, watch this, on the things above and not on the things of the earth. See? And anytime God finds that you're, that you're falling too deeply in love with stuff, how do you know God will take it from you? That's why you got to be very careful. God has got to take your money from you if you love it too much. Because you can't love, how many know you can't serve God in money, right? You got to love God. If you love God first, he says, set your affection. Paul said, fall in love, cultivate passion, cultivate desire for the things of God more than anything else. In essence, Paul was simply saying, watch this, be sold out. Don't go, let me know that the language that Paul uses is not a language that suggests a kind of casual Christianity, a kind of Christianity that's still on the fence, you know, just kind of trying to, you know, want the best of both worlds. How me know that if you want the best of both worlds, you're probably not going to get the world that you really need. Now watch this. And come on out, brother. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, in conclusion, watch this. This is a verse that you hear throughout this series as we're talking about discipleship, talking about sold out. <clears throat> he says, watch this. This is Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Then he said to them, all. Everybody say all. Everybody's supposed to be sold out, right? And that's how we started this message. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, here it is. Let him deny himself, take up his cross every day, daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake <clears throat> will save it. That's important. So he says, if any man, 
That, in other words, any man, boy, woman, girl, it doesn't matter. He said, if any man want to come after him, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to identify as a Christian, he said, here's what you got to do. You first must deny yourself. You got to put yourself on the altar. In fact, you can't be a Christian. You can't be born again until you are born again. You can't be a Christian unless you're born again. You got to be born again. That happens from above. That's spiritual birth. Nobody comes, everybody who's born into this world through their natural flesh is a sinner. Every person that's a Christian must be born again. In other words, spiritual birth, not physical birth. That's in John chapter 3. We'll probably elaborate that a little bit within the coming weeks and days. He said he must deny himself. All right? Take up his cross. Watch this. And follow him. Everybody say, follow him. See, just denying yourself don't make you a Christian. How many know Buddhists deny themselves? Muslims, they deny themselves. But Jesus said, if you want to be a Christian, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow. Everybody say, follow. You got to follow Jesus. He says, follow me. That's what makes you a Christian. You're following Christ. But then he says something that really strikes, it, 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 it catches my attention in a profound way because he says, for, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Mm. But whoever lose his life for my sake will find it. Translation, Jesus is saying that trying to hold on to any part of your life will cause you to lose your life. Trying to hold on to the world. If, in other words, if you're lukewarm, you got one foot in the world, one foot in church, and you're straddling the fence. He says, here's what the problem is. You're going to lose your life. But see, what we have designed in our culture today, that it's okay to have a foot in and a foot out. That's the kind of Christianity that we push. And let me, I'm here to tell you that a lot of people are going to be deceived because to become a Christian, you must give your life to Jesus, not part of it. He didn't ask for part. How many know the Bible says he asked for all of it? You give it all to him. He says, if you're trying to hold on to any part of it, if you want to say, oh, I'm going to hold on. He says, then what's going to happen? You're going to fumble around and you're going to lose it because you're trying to hold on to it. The remedy, let it go. In other words, go all out. Let it go to Jesus. Be sold out to Jesus. Don't go, don't, if you're going to be a Christian, be a Christian. If you're going to walk with God, walk with God. But make up your mind. Make no mistake about it. We have to choose this day who we will serve. We can't serve one in and one out. We have to go all the way with Jesus. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed.